Well, we've been speaking about the Beatitudes for the, well, the course of the whole summer, really. Uh, we just completed uh, eight weeks in Matthew chapter 5, speaking about the eight Beatitudes that uh, start the Sermon on the Mount. And, and last week we began the Beatitudes that are in the Sermon on the Plain in Luke chapter 6. Uh, let me just remind everybody of what we're speaking about when we speak about Beatitudes. We're talking about a supernatural happiness, a happiness that is not of this world. It's a happiness that comes from God. And uh, the thing that we realize is that most people don't know how to attain this happy, happiness, and many people don't really understand what it is. Um, so what we have to do is we have to go to the Scripture and learn from Jesus Christ what real happiness looks like. Happiness has been the pursuit of humanity through, throughout the ages. Everyone has asked the question, what does it mean to be happy and how can I find it? Philosopher and Nobel laureate Albert Camus, uh, he sa says this, he says, a man wants to earn money in order to be happy. And his whole effort and the best of life are devoted to the earning of that money. Happiness is forgotten, and the means are taken for the end. A brilliant insight into what happens really to all of us if we are not touched by the power of God. We think the thing that's going to make us happy is attaining wealth, is having money. It's being able to to take care of myself, to fill my belly, to take care of my own needs. And if I can just do that, then I will be happy. But ironically, in the pursuit of taking care of myself, making sure all my needs are met, happiness is forgotten. And then suddenly the means to, to, to finding happiness are now taken for the end. That is so profound, because this happens all the time. And it, I, I'm sure that even as I'm saying this, that you can identify with this in some way or in some measure. We need to understand what real happiness is. Viktor Frankl, he was a, a survivor of the Holocaust. Here's what he said. He says, a human being is not one in pursuit of happiness, but rather in search of a reason to become happy. Frankel understands that happiness alone is, is not a, a valid goal. And for many people, even as they're trying to find happiness, as, as they believe they are attaining it, sadly, they discover that it's elusive and they can't quite grasp a hold of it. This is why we need to turn to Christ. This is why we need to understand through Jesus Christ, what real happiness is. And I'm going to tell you, our Lord Jesus understood how humans can find true happiness. He understood the human longing to find peace and contentment and joy and worry-free living. And it's not the way that the world tells us to find it. Remember, we're talking about the Jesus revolution. Jesus is re leading this revolution of a whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of, of believing. Jesus is leading this revolution against the lies and the deceptions of this world. 
against the lack of values, against the, the broken philosophies of this world. This is really what the Sermon on the Mount is really all about. That's what the Beatitudes are all about. In the Beatitudes, we discover how to truly be happy. And I'm going to tell you, Jesus warns that, that people cannot receive his teaching unless the Spirit of God has touched their minds. The natural mind cannot receive spiritual truth. And so even as I'm speaking today, I'm fully aware of the fact that some are not going to get this. Some will be listening to this and say, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense to me. And look, at if the Spirit of God has not touched your heart yet and opened your mind to believe and to understand, then what I'm saying will be very foreign and will not make sense. So actually, I'm going to, I'm going to stop right now and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you that God will open your eyes. So let's do that right now. Father, uh, for everyone who's listening right now, we know that unless the Spirit of God opens our eyes and opens our ears to hear and to see and to believe, this teaching of Christ on the sermon, in the Sermon on the Mount and, and in the Sermon on the Plain, it just will not make sense. So, Father, open our eyes. Help us to see so that we may believe. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus came. He's introducing a whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of living. He's introducing a, a new world to us. He's introducing a new kingdom. And by the way, he is the king of that kingdom. To follow Christ means that you must know what he expects in his kingdom. And that's why Jesus gives us this Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and then Luke chapter 6. He wants us to understand what the expectations are. Now, for some people, when they read the teachings of Christ, they think, oh, these are, are wonderful teachings, and these are high ideals, and I'm going to certainly try to live up to them. But that is not the way to approach the Sermon on the Mount. When you approach this, you must understand that Jesus is saying, no, this is not just high ideals and the best way to do it. Jesus is saying, this is the standard. This is how true believers live. And so we need the Spirit of God to quicken our hearts and our minds to understand that what Jesus is calling for is perfection. Not perfection in our power or in our strength, but a perfection that comes from Jesus Christ by his Spirit. So, last week we began the Sermon on the Plain, Luke chapter 6, and we find in Luke chapter 6 that he lists uh, four of the eight Beatitudes that we find in Matthew uh, chapter 5. We find the... Um, find these four Beatitudes with the corresponding four woes. So let's take a look then at, uh, at this passage of Scripture. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Let's say it again. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. So Jesus makes the point uh, in a positive, uh, with a positive slant, and then he takes the negative slant to make sure that you get it. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. So let's take a look at that. Blessed are you who are hungry now. Now, we all know, we're all smart enough to know that being hungry does not necessarily make you feel happy. Uh, not unless you're trying to, to lose weight, but that's not what Jesus is talking about here. 
No one who is hungry feels blessed. So then what is it that the Lord is telling us? To properly interpret Scripture, we need to use the other Scripture to guide us in in coming to the right conclusion. So the best way to understand this beatitude is to look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, 6. Uh, That's the corresponding beatitude in, in Matthew. And Jesus says, Blessed are those who are hungry, or who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Without putting uh, and thirst for righteousness in here, it gives us a bigger picture, which I'm going to explain to you just now. But essentially, it, it's, it's still saying the same thing. The hungering and the thirsting that, that we're talking about is indeed for righteousness. We, we, want, we want more of God. We desire his presence. Remember that God is our Father, He's our Creator, and as Augustine said, uh, we are happiest when we are in the presence of our Creator. Uh, he spoke of that God-shaped hole in our hearts that only God can fill. Blessed are you who are hungry. Those of you who feel that emptiness inside, who, who know that, that, that they don't have what they need to make them feel satisfied. Those who are hungering, those who are hungering and thirsting are aware that this life and what it has to offer cannot fill me. And I wonder this morning, even as I say that, uh, is the Spirit of God speaking to you and showing to you how you are trying to satisfy the longings in your heart, in your life, through the things of this world? Remember, Jesus is leading a revolution against this world. And if the and if your pursuits are for the things of this world, to try to satisfy yourself with the things of this world, then, as the woe tells us, we are going to be, go hungry. We're going to go unhappy and unsatisfied. Remember, Jesus is leading a revolt. Keep that in mind at all times. Because as Christians, we are, we are following a revolutionary who's trying to show us that this world will not, cannot satisfy us in any way. In fact, Jesus makes it clear to us that we are to be in the world, but not of it. Now, you hear me say that all, all the time, but there's still many Christians who still don't get that. They still live like the world lives, and they still are pursuing the things that the people of this world are pursuing. Understand that you belong to the kingdom of God, and that Jesus is your king, and that you have been called to obey him and to follow him. The world tells us what we need, and we believe the world. You really do need a new car. You need a bigger house. You need, you need designer clothes. You need a new haircut. You need, a new, you need new jewelry, new shoes. Those shoes are out of style. And so you've got ridiculous situations where people have, have hundreds of pairs of shoes in their closet that they'll never wear. Why? Because they think somehow, someway, if I get, if I get those particular shoes, I'll, I'll be happy forevermore. And you know, it just goes on and on. We see people collecting cars like that, clothes, jewelry, and all matter of things. Thinking, hoping that somehow they'll satisfy that ache in their heart, that hunger. It's critical that we understand today who can satisfy that hunger in our hearts. 
Before I answer that question, who can satisfy that hunger, I want to show you something that most of us uh, studied maybe in, in high school. Uh, it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and it begins with the physio physiological needs. You need food, you need water, uh, you need uh, a roof over your head, you, uh, you know what these are. And then you go into safety, we need to feel safe and secure. We need to have systems in place where we feel protected. And then we go on to love and belonging. We all need to, to, to enjoy intimacy. We all need to belong to a group, to people. Uh, we need to be loved. And then he talks about the need for esteem, uh, to feel good about yourself, maybe experience some, uh, some feelings of prestige and accomplishment. And then he talks about self-actualization. The, the bottom two, or the, the basic needs, uh, are simple. Uh, food, drink, roof over your head, and safety. And then he talks about the, the psychological needs of love and belonging and esteem. And then he talks about self-fulfillment. The problem with this is that he doesn't talk about the spiritual need. Now, you would think that if we were clever enough to figure this out, why is it that, that God's not included in the picture? And I'll tell you why. Because this is not part of the kingdom of Christ. When we look to Christ, we discover that, that there is the most important component missing. And by the way, it even begins before the physiological needs. And we call them the spiritual needs. You're not going to find that in Maslow's hierarchy of need. Jesus is saying that greater than our physiological need, greater than our need for food, greater than our need for, uh, for a roof over our head, greater than, than our need for safety and for people and esteem and self-actualization is our need of God. Now, this is counter-revolutionary. This is not what the world tells us. The world now laughs at Christians for even believing such a thing. You need to know what it is that you're dealing with when you face this world. As a Christian, you may assume that people understand this, but I'm going to tell you that everything in our culture, in our school systems, on TV, the entertainment industry, everything opposes what Jesus is telling us when he tells us, blessed are those who are hungry, for they will be satisfied. What is it that you are hungering for? And my prayer today is that you have a hunger, a deep, a deep hunger and longing for relationship with God. One of the wonderful things that, that I experience as a pastor is watching as God begins to work in people's hearts. So, so they get to the place where they realize that they have tried everything and nothing has satisfied them. They have finally come to the place where they understand what they're really hungry for is God. Not things, not possessions, not people, not self-esteem, not self-actualization, not even food. They need God. I get emails like this on a regular basis. I get people phoning me. I get people talking to me where suddenly the lights go on and they realize my greatest need is not what this world has to offer. My greatest need is Christ and Christ alone. I wonder if you've come to that place yet. Because if you have, Jesus tells us that you will be satisfied. You will finally find what your heart has been longing for. 
wow, you will be satisfied. This is a promise, by the way. This is not, well, cross my fingers, I hope that I get that. No, Jesus says in that day, in that hour, in that moment, when you begin to hunger and thirst after God, he is going to fill your heart and give you the peace and the joy and the contentment. And yes, even worry-free living. That's what your heart's been craving. And I'm going to tell you, it is yours. It is a promise that comes to you from Jesus Christ. I got chills going up and down my arms right now as I think of that. This is ours. This is the promise from Christ. But I'm going to tell you, as long as you are trying to fill your belly, and I'm saying that metaphorically, as long as you're trying to fill your life, your heart, your mind with the things of this world, you're not going to be happy. You will continue to be discontent. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying to the Samaritan woman that he met up with in John chapter 4. I'll be telling you more about that in just a few moments. But here's what Jesus says to this woman. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, that's Jesus, you would ask me and I would give you living water. I would satisfy your heart. All you have to do is ask. And by the way, that's exactly what God is saying to you right now. God is speaking to you by his spirit. He's using me and he's using the word of God to get this message to you. You don't have to go on anymore living unhappy, dissatisfied, unfulfilled, like a loser, lacking in self-esteem. I'm going to tell you, you don't need self-esteem. What you need is the esteem of God. And I'm going to tell you, God loves you so much, he sent his only son to die for you. If that's not proof enough of your value and your worth, then I can't help you. And for that reason, Maslow uh, needs to add another layer to this. In fact, I think really it's the only layer you need. It's Jesus. Now, let's go back to the, to the beatitude and to the woe. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. If you understand that this world cannot satisfy these hunger pangs, Jesus says, Good news, you're going to be filled. That is good news, isn't it? And for everyone who comes to Christ, everyone who is truly converted, this is what they discover. They're happy now. Blessed are you. You know, in life we all experiment, and we all uh, resort to different things at different times in our lives to find that elusive happiness. When we're children, we believe that, you know, if I can just get that bag of candy, if I can just get that chocolate bar... Uh, if I could just get that toy that they're advertising on TV, if I, you know, if I could just have 25 cents, if I could just have a buck, um, I could get the things that I need, if I could just get a bit more attention, then I'd be happy. And you'd think that you'd grow out of that, but no, what happens as you get older, it becomes a bit more sophisticated. As youth, you're looking for acceptance, you, you're willing to give in to peer pressure, you're willing to do things that you've been taught not to do. You'll do anything so that you don't stand out because you so desperately are looking to satisfy that hunger for acceptance. Remember Maslow's uh, hierarchy of need, that, that need for intimacy, that, that need for esteem, and you think that you're going to get it 
by doing whatever the crowd is doing. And some of us, even now, have suffered untold pain and suffering because we turned to the, to the things of this world, we turned to, to the people of this world, trying to find love and acceptance, trying to be satisfied. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you are, are still suffering the, the scars and the effects of, of the horrible peer pressure that you went through as a teenager. And as teenagers, we think, well, if I can, if I can just lose my virginity, how many, how many TV shows aimed at teenagers are about teenagers losing their virginity? It totally goes against Scripture. A total disregard for the importance of making vows to one another. As youth, youth nowadays, I mean, uh, I thought it was bad when I was a kid. It's getting worse and worse, and it's going to get worse looking for sexual thrills, and just thrills in general, trying desperately to be satisfied by what this world has to offer. And we know, all of us know this, even people in the world know that, that it doesn't work. Everybody knows this. And yet we go on our merry way. Talk about having a rebellious spirit. That's humans for you. Wow. And then you get to adulthood and you think, well, finally you grow up and you're free of this. But it, like I say, it carries on from childhood to, to adolescence and then into adulthood. And the next thing you know, you're trying to fulfill your dreams because all the, all the, the TV gurus and the, even TV preachers and, and many preachers nowadays are telling you that you need to, to, to have a vision and fulfill your dreams, that your dreams come true. This is not out of the Bible. This is not biblical at all. You need to, you need to aim, at, aim at the stars and maybe you'll hit the moon and that's better than, than this earth and on and on it goes. We need to go for success and we need, to, we need to have relief from stress and we need to make investments so that we can retire at 55 and we're looking for prestige and recognition and when those things don't come, we try to find relief in all manner of, of ways, and many of them are, are immoral, and we're seeing it all the time. Hardly a month goes by, we don't hear some preacher on TV that, that has fallen because he forgot to be hungry for God. Tried to fill himself up now tried to satisfy himself with the things of this world. And I know some senior citizens right now are thinking they're going to get off easy, but I'm, no, now it's your turn. I'm going to focus on you. You get, you get to an age where it's time to, time to retire, and now what are you doing? You're trying to find relief from all the disappointments in life. Yeah, you want to disconnect from your obligations. Let the younger generation do it now. I'm done. I'm, I've done my part. I, uh, this past week, my dear friend, Mary Crager, passed away at 101 years of age. I always said she was the youngest woman I have ever known because at 101, she was still on her computer, still communicating and, and preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel with people all over the world, communicating with people in India, and, and I know not where. It's just unbelievable. She refused to disconnect from her obligations to serve God. Her hunger and her desire was to honor God. Wow. 
in old age, we're trying to lessen our pain and our suffering. We're trying to relive our youth. How many old people have we seen wrinkled beyond belief, dressed like a 20-year-old? And honestly, it's, it, if it weren't so sad, you would just laugh at these people looking like clowns. Our satisfaction has to be in Christ alone. That's where we're going to find our happiness. And this is why it's so critical that you and I learn what it means to have a daily walk with God. Where every day we are praying and meditating on the Word of God and allowing God to speak to us. You need to know Christ. And Christ wants to be known. That's why he gave us the Beatitudes. If you want to know what Jesus is like, read the Beatitudes. It's all there. It'll tell you clearly who he is. And if you want to know what a Christian is like, read the Beatitudes. It clearly shows us how it is that we ought to live. Wow. You know, I was thinking about my childhood and and the, the commercials that were geared at kids. And they would show you these, the, I remember the, the boxing set, the, the two people and you, you box each other, uh, Kerplunk, uh, Hot Wheels, uh, all, all kinds of toys that they advertise on TV. And you know, we would to beg our parents, could we please get that for Christmas, please get it. We'd use it two or three times, push it aside and never look at it again. On TV, it looks so, so satisfying. And if we just, if we could get that toy, then we would really and truly be happy. And then it never worked that way. It was always a disappointment, always. I remember uh, getting an Easy Bake oven uh, for Sarah. And I mean, can you imagine a, this little plastic toy that bakes cakes? Seems too good to be true. And guess what? <laughs> it is. It doesn't work. But we are so enticed by this world and by what it has to offer. And we believe if we just could get what they're telling us to get on TV, then we're going to be happy. Like just, if I order that course, if I just order that book, if I get those, CV, those DVDs, that exercise equipment, wow, how many people have got exercise equipment sitting in their house right now that they're not using? Because they promised that if you, if you got that, if you got that, uh, that treadmill, you are going to have abs, amazing wash, what do they call it, washboard abs? You know what I'm talking about. It doesn't work. I've tried it. It doesn't work. <laughs> hey, what you need to be is you need to be hungry for God. You need to be running to him and walking with him and seeking to do his will. Let me quickly tell you a story from John chapter 4 about this woman, this Samaritan woman. So Jesus has just been preaching in Judea and uh, you know, the Pharisees are not happy with him, and he thinks, you know, we be- I better get out of town, let things cool down a little bit. Heads off uh, to Galilee, up-, up to Galilee, north up to Galilee. And on the way, he goes through Samaria. Now, Samaria, if you don't know, are, are Jewish half-breeds. That's probably the best way. It's a crude way to put it. But they're half-Jewish and half-whatever. And the Jews and the Samaritans did not talk to each other. They, they, they hated each other. And, and in fact, the Jewish people really felt that they were, they, they were equal to, the same as, 
all the other Gentiles. And so they didn't talk to each other. It was, it was, they were considered unclean. Well, Jesus is on his way and they're stopping for a rest. They've come to a well for something to drink. The disciples take off, go looking for food. And Jesus strikes up this conversation with this woman at the well. And she's come to draw water. And Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And the Samaritan woman, uh, she didn't say yes or no, but she says, well, hold on a minute here. You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Ah, well, Jesus answered her. If you knew the gift, God, uh, the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. That's what Jesus said to her. So Jesus is asking her for a drink, starting the conversation out, and now Jesus turns it around. By the way, what, what a brilliant evangelism strategy. You, it's, a, it's a leading question. You just lead the whole thing. Well, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She didn't get what he was talking about. She thought he had some kind of magic water that once you drink it, then you will never have to drink water again. But that's not what he was talking about. He was talking about a water that satisfies you for the rest of, of your life. He's talking about the spiritual, the supernatural happiness, the supernatural satisfaction that you can't get out of any well. You can't get it out of any bottle. You can't get it out of any water. It comes from God. So she's asking for this. Hey, where can I get this? Because I, I, I don't want to keep coming to this well. And then Jesus doesn't answer her question. She didn't answer his questions. Now he's not her, answering her question. And uh, he said to her, go call your husband and come back. And she says, which is kind of a curious thing to say, isn't it? Out of the blue. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said to her, well, you're right. You don't have a husband. In fact... You've had five husbands, and the man you're with right now, he's not your husband either. And so uh, the Lord revealed to this woman that she had tried to find satisfaction in the, in the things of this world. And in her particular case, she tried to find satisfaction in, in getting a husband. And the first one didn't work, she got a second one, and then the third one hey, it kind of sounds like Hollywood. Are you sure he didn't stop in Hollywood? This woman thought that she could find satisfaction and fulfillment in a relationship with a man. And, and not one of these men worked for her. She tried to fill her belly. She tried to satisfy herself. And it didn't work. And so Jesus says, woe to you who are full now. Woe to you who are trying to fill your belly now. Woe to you who are trying to find satisfaction in your own strength, in your own wisdom, following the craziness of this world. It doesn't work. And this woman, after Jesus reveals to her that 
She doesn't have a husband. In fact, she's, she's on her sixth man now. She says, sir, I can see you're a prophet. Then leaving her water jar, John chapter 4, verse 28, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Yes. It's in the Messiah. It's in Jesus Christ, the one sent from God, that you and I are going to find what our hearts are longing for. You cannot and you will not ever be satisfied by the things of this world. We see it all the time. People winning lotteries end up in great, great tragedy, great sadness. Families broken apart. Marriages dissolved. Some committing suicide. Money and the things of this world are not going to be the things that satisfy you. How many husbands will it take? How many wives will it take? How many, how, how many millions will it take to make you happy? And the answer is, not, there's no number great enough to, to bring happiness to your heart. And folks, this is, this is Satan, the God of this world. He is a deceiver and a liar. He wants to do everything in his power to make you believe that he can satisfy you. And Jesus says, no. You want the supernatural happiness called the blessing? Then you're going to have to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Jesus Christ himself must be the thing that you're pursuing with all your heart. And so I want to say this to you now. If it's been a while since you've opened your Bible and prayed, if it's been a while since you have taken some time to examine your heart to see where you're at spiritually, let this be the day. Let this be the moment. Do it now. Come to the Lord and confess to him your love of the things of this world. God forbid that I or anyone else would have to say to you, woe to you who are full now for you shall be hungry. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to go hungry for the rest of your life until you learn to find your satisfaction in Christ alone. Ask Jesus to touch your heart, to draw you to his heart and change you, enable you by his spirit. Father, thank you for your power. Thank you for your strength. Thank you, Lord, that your spirit is at work within us, opening our eyes to understand and to see the truth. This world has been lying to us. And sadly, we have been believing the lies. Give us, we pray, a brand new longing and hunger and thirst for Christ alone, knowing, Father, that only Jesus gives the living water that satisfies us, bringing us peace and contentment and a worry-free life. God, thank you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.